God. You'll pray with me, Jesus. You'll pray with me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. It's good. You got it. Thank you, Justin. That's good. Everything's good. Everything's great. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence. We ask, Lord God, that you guard over our night tonight. Allow us, Father, to hear your voice. I pray, Lord, for your presence and all that we do. And and just know that we're grateful. We're grateful for a little breeze tonight. We're grateful, Father God, for the fact that, that we get to come together. So guard over us, protect us, and allow your word to speak to us all tonight, Father. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hmm. It's all about Jesus, amen? You know, everything we do, every breath we take, every moment that that I do this stuff, I, I, I have to be reminded why I do it. I have to be reminded why any pastor does this. Why anyone takes the time to, to speak, to be able to come here and, and, and do this. And I remember years ago where I thought that when I did this, it was like, oh man, this is so hard. This is so hard. I don't know if this is what God's called me to do. Maybe I should just keep doing music, you know, because that's what I love. But then God constantly keeps telling me lately, you can do both. You can do both. There's no reason why we can't do more than one thing in the service of Christ. There's no reason why we can't be full. Why we can't serve in a way that, that absolutely changes not only our life, but touches other people's life and encourages them. You know, I had a class assignment this week and it was about what is the goodness of God? And I thought about that and I, I handled that part good. You know, I, I, I spoke well about that. Even my wife thought it was pretty good. But then the question was, what do you do to show the goodness of God? And the first thing I thought of was worship. I was like, oh man, I think the thing that I do for God is worship. That's that's how I show the goodness of God. Because when we're in worship, we absolutely are like, God's good. He's so good. And it touches our hearts and it touches our minds and and it allows us to, to deal with all of this junk that we're going through right now. Because it seems like life's a little crazy. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know. I think life's a little crazy right now. I think there's been some emotional roller coasters that, that my family, that my friends, that you guys, that you guys online, there's some things we're going through that just aren't normal. <laughs> it, just isn't, it just isn't what we expect out of our life. We've come to think this is what life is. But I think we probably better say, how do you like this new normal? 
How do we like this new normal that we're living? Are we going to be okay? If this is our life, if this is what we're going to be doing, if, if church is online most of the time or in small groups, are we okay with that? Is it going to change our faith? Is it going to change our beliefs? Or are we going to go forth and go, nope, I'm still going to serve God. I'm going to still do what God's called me to do. Because that's the benefit. That's the benefit of being, being a true believer. These things don't stop us. It don't encroach on our faith. We just said, okay. But I got to tell you, it's, it's tough. This new normal is hard. And I know a lot of people that they're in fear. They're afraid. I, I have guys in my work that, that are young and, and they're afraid to catch this coronavirus. They are afraid. They wear their masks all the time. The older people are like, meh, whatever. <laughs> I've lived a good life. If I go to Jesus now, I'm good. Or that's probably not what they say. But anyway, but, but you know what? It's, it's crazy that a lot of young people and, and middle-aged people are afraid, really, really afraid. I mean, so many, so many people watch the TV all day. And it's infecting them. It's changing how they think. And I gotta ask you, if you're watching TV all day and you're afraid and you're struggling, how's that working out? Is that working out well for you right now? Is that giving you peace? I mean, are you healthy? I mean, I wonder how all our cholesterol is gonna be next year. I mean, we don't eat right anymore. I mean, we tried. I'm, I'm trying to get back on eating correctly and, and living my life and working out and, and getting ready for race season, should that ever come, but it's hard. As we've laughed many times, COVID-19 means totally something different to me. It's, it's 19 pounds right here, you know? And, and I don't want that in my life. I don't want any of us to be doing things that put us in an unhealthy position. Because I'm hoping and praying that tomorrow's gonna be a better day. I still believe that God has a plan. And I believe God is gonna do big things. But I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm concerned. I have concerns about our country. I have concerns about, about the suicide rate now. I mean, the suicide rate in America is literally starting to catch up with the COVID deaths. So many people are taking their lives because they're afraid of what tomorrow might bring. They're afraid of a virus. They're afraid of, of riots. They're afraid of whatever craziness is going on in our world. And it seems like they have no control. And so I don't know if you guys realize this, but when people feel they have no control of their lives, they start taking control where they can. Sometimes they cut. Sometimes they use drugs. Sometimes they take their own lives. That's serving the enemy. That is not God's plan. And so we need to keep in prayer on that. Keep in prayer that, that people get strong and realize that, that this too shall pass. More than ever, it's important that we find our tribe. 
more than ever, it's important. It's good. It's actually great. I can see myself fine. Thank you, though, very much. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think right now we are starting to see how important it is to have friends. How important it is to have people in our life that, that are there for us, that, that have our back, that believe what we believe, that understand what we understand. You know, I'm not talking about social economic things. I'm not talking about the color of our skin. I'm talking about our tribe. I'm talking about how we vibe together, you know? We all have this little vibration. We have this little thing that, that drives us. I like to think it's the Holy Spirit. It puts in us things that, that we enjoy, things that we find cool. <laughs> Things that we enjoy. And so we want to be with the same people that have those same ideas and same thoughts that we have. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to find our tribe to be strong. It's important that we have like-minded people to, to pray with, to read the Bible together, to worship it together. Now, it's important that we do these things and we find people in our lives that, that we can share our faith with. Our life has to be more than just experiencing what we have the last few months. There's more to life than what we've been living the last few months. And we have to figure out a way in this new normal to live our life in grace and strength. We have to spend time, find out what makes us friends. That's how we're gonna bond. That's how we're gonna come together. Amos 3.3 says this. It says, Do two walk together unless they agree to do so? No. They don't. We walk together because we agree to walk with each other. It's a choice. It's a choice in our faith. It's a choice in everything that we do every morning. And yeah, I'm confused. I'm confused why... Things that are going on in the world are the way they are right now. But you know what? I need to be able to understand. I need to be able to love. I need to be able to be compassionate. Because there's people in our lives right now that are doing things that just confuse me so much. I mean, we have groups of people that are marching down the street telling us to include each other and to, and to love each other, and yet... They seem to really hate me. They seem to really hate other people that don't agree with them. And I gotta tell you, if, if we're gonna promote love, if we're gonna pro promote inclusion, that means everyone. Just because I disagree with you, it doesn't mean I don't love you. Just because you and I might not think the same doesn't mean that I don't think you're amazing. And I don't value your worth. We all have worth. We all have value. It's hard to hear a message of love and inclusion when, when people are slamming each other. We need to stop hate. We need to understand what that means for us as the church. What we as the church are going to do to help promote a message of love and inclusion how we are going to be able to be kind 
and loving when it's hard. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, this is 10 through 13. It says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, well, I follow Paul. Another says, well, I follow Apollos. And another one says, I follow Cephas. And still another says, I follow Christ. <laughs> is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I'll go further. Was Jay crucified for you? <laughs> Were you baptized in the name of Jay? No. I love this verse because it reminds me so much of the American church right now. <laughs> We're struggling with each other. We're fighting with, that, with each other because it just isn't easy for me to understand when our cities are literally on fire and we as a church have not came together and came forth and said, here's a good answer. Why aren't we joining together? Why aren't we as a group, as the church, coming forth, having solutions? Because honestly, you can't legislate this. We've talked about this. We, the church, have to step forward. We have to step up. We need to show them real love. We need to show them Jesus. We can't show them religion. We can't show them dogma. We have to show the world Jesus. I mean, we might not agree on everything, but we all need to have the same mindset that we are going to do whatever it takes to increase the culture of Jesus, to increase people's faith in our world. If we could only love and cherish one another, if we could just make sure that we did what was best for our tribe, for our city, for our country. You know, it makes me think about Ruth in the Bible. You guys ever heard the story about Ruth? Ruth is one of my heroes. I love this woman. She was a Moabite. Moabite. <laughs> I want to say Moabite. She's Moabite. No, she's a Moabite. Ruth married the son of Naomi. Naomi was a Jew. And even though all the men and their family died, Naomi refused to leave, or Ruth refused to leave Naomi. She thought it was more important to stay with her. This is Ruth 1, 16 through 18. It says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even my death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her to leave. Ruth had a sister, a sister-in-law. Her name was Orpah, uh, pronounced Harapha in the Hebrew. And it actually says that she went back to Moab, back to her family. 
And there's actually, um, you know, in the, in the Torah, that's where most of this stuff was written, the, the Jewish Torah, um, there was actually what they called uh, rabbinic literature, where, where the rabbis made notes and they talked about people. And it's called the Madrash. The Madrash is these notes, the historical notes of these people. And in the Madrash, when Harafa went back to Moab, uh, and Harafa actually means to be threshed or, or trashed, it, it actually says that she had a very hard life. And she actually gave birth to four giants. And one of those giants' name was Goliath. Hold on to that for a second. Ruth, on the other hand, Ruth stayed with Naomi. She went back to Israel. She went back and met uh, an incredible man. I mean, Ruth was hardworking. She, she went back to the fields and she gleaned the fields at night. Her and Naomi had hardly anything. They were poor, poor. And so at night she would go and, and after they had, had cleaned a field or worked a field, um, they always left some behind. So she would go and gather those seeds. And Boaz, the owner of this fields, he saw this woman working so hard for her family. And through things of, of different obedience, Ruth and Boaz became married. And Boaz was a very influential man. And the really great part about this story is that they had children. And their first child was Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. David was the king of Israel. David was the young man at 13 to 16 years old. I don't know, young. Picked up some rocks, put him in a sling, and killed the giant named Goliath. Mind blown, right? History is amazing. The Bible is amazing. There are so many stories in here. When you, when you truly get into it, and you go, no way. But here's, here's two women. One that took the easy path. She went back to her family. She went back to Moab. She went back to what she thought was going to be the better choice. But Ruth, she knew Naomi was her destiny. She knew Naomi was her tribe. No matter what, she wasn't going to leave her tribe. Goliath, David, a child of least resistance, a child of destiny. It's amazing. It's amazing what our Heavenly Father does when we stick to our tribe, when we stick to what he's called us to do, and we go forth. I love that story. It's one of my favorite stories I've ever read in my entire life. I was so excited to share that with you guys today. I mean, I, I could not wait. <laughs> right now, I'm, I'm reading a book um, for class. As, as Everything I do is about school right now, but that's okay. You benefit from it. You guys benefit from this because it's making me smarter, I think. <laughs> or, or at least I read a lot anyway. So um, right now I'm reading a book by Chris Vuitton. It's called uh, Destined to Win. And it talks about some of the possibilities that we have as tribes. 
you know, and and I like it because it, it gives us kind of different examples of what a tribe could be, um, a group of people. And I use tribes to describe our friends, our family, our, our church, whatever. Um, and one of the, I'm going to list like four of them today. We're going to talk about them. And, and uh, the first one was leaven, just the word leaven. So leaven is yeast, right? It's, it's what causes our bread to rise. It's what causes our bread to be light and airy and delicious, you know? And there's a story in the Bible here. Um, it's Matthew 13, It says, he told them still another parable. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. See, people that have leaven, they have the ability to change the atmosphere. They have the ability to change. Just like that leaven, that yeast changed a little bit of dough. It makes it rise and changes everything about that, that lump of... If you just put milk and, and flour together, it, it's not delicious. Unless you make it flat and turn it into pizza. But that's a different... That's different. But leaven is what causes our bread to rise. It would, it's what causes it to be delicious. Mm, sourdough. I wish I could eat that. Can you imagine what I'd look like if I ate 60 pounds of bread? I would have blisters all over my body because it ain't gluten-free. Unless it was gluten-free flour. Anyway, I digress. People that have leaven tribe mentality, they change the atmosphere. They change the people they're around. They're filled with joy. They walk into a room and you go, oh. from now on you go, oh, leaven. That person's got leaven. And you're going to know that, that spirit. The next one I want to talk about is, is merchants. These are the risk takers. These are the guys that, that twist the throttle. They're the ones that, that absolutely do whatever it takes to win championships, to be successful. They're the ones that go find the pearls. They're the ones that, that take risks. And like merchants in the old days, you know, what they did to, to be a merchant was dangerous sometimes. The Bible talks about merchants. It says in Matthew 13, 44 through 45, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man finds it, he hides it again. And then in his joy, he goes out and he sells all he had and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he finds one of great value, he goes away and he sells everything he has so he can buy that one pearl. Merchants are my tribe. <laughs> These are the guys I hang out with the most. That's District 37. That's the National Grand Prix Championship Series. That's Ezra Tate. That's Trevor Blanton. Guys are merchants. Modern day merchants that are willing to do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to win races. Do whatever it takes to find treasure. You're driven. You're just built that way. That's who God made you to be. God have people like that in our lives. Some of us are fishers of men. That's the next great thing that I'd like. Fishers of men. We, we long for the ability to, to make disciples. To develop friendships and, and relationships that will increase the kingdom of God. 
I feel right now in our world, this is a trait that we should all be seeking. I feel the church has, has kind of been on pause since the 1960s. Since the 60s, we've been so worried about getting people saved that we've kind of been afraid to hurt their feelings. We're afraid that just because you're saved, we, we don't want to tell them, okay, now you got to become a disciple. Being saved just to start. That's, that's where you start. You can't, you can't end there. That's where you begin your relationship with Christ. And I know some of you don't want to hear this, but it's not the church's job to make you happy. It's actually your job to make God happy. And as a fisher of men, you don't care about that. You care about becoming disciples of Christ. You tend to be the one that, that goes after you go after people. You're willing to make a change. You're willing to do things so that we can change the world. We stop giving believers responsibility because we thought they might walk away from God. We've kind of been selling a lie for years that, that if you come to Jesus, your life will be great. No. Your life will be full. Your life will be amazing. But when you come to Jesus, when you come to Jesus, your life will not be easy. It is not an easy path. It's a great path. And the reward is amazing. But if you think that, that becoming a Christian is the easiest thing you're ever going to do, that's... That's not true. And we as a church need to start telling people, getting the truth, that in order for us to walk in faith, we're going to have hard days. Rough things are going to come your way, but we're still going to progress. We're still going to go forward. Matthew 13, 47 through 50 says, but once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that has let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up onto the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but they threw the bad fish away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous, and they will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to make sure that I'm helping you become a disciple of Christ. My job is is literally to help you understand what it is to walk with Christ. My job is to teach you that there's going to be hard days. You know, I have nightmares. And if, if you've heard me talk more than a year, you'll know this. A recurring nightmare that I have is, is I have friends that I've known all my life, and they're actually in the lake of fire, and they're looking at me saying, why didn't you tell me? Why did you let this happen to me? And that's why I do what I do. That drives me to teach the gospel. That drives me to share my faith because the thought of any of my friends going to hell is more than I can handle. It's more than I can deal with. A fisher of men makes sure that disciples are striving to have a holy life because that's what it takes to follow Jesus.
The last one I want to talk about tonight is about being noble-minded. Do you seek out friends and other believers that, that want to be influencers? People that are always talking about changing the world. For some of them, it's with business or with finance. Other people may desire to have political influence. Maybe they want to do things that will help change the kingdom of God. And I love this group of people. I mean, someday I might want to even be in this group of people. I think about it. I think, wow, I'd like to be an influencer. I'd like to be someone that changes more than just my city. I don't know. We'll see. But know this. To be noble-minded comes with a cost. When I think about being noble-minded, I think about Daniel. You guys know the story of Daniel? Daniel was one of the smartest men that ever lived. And he was a servant for King Darius. And, and while he was there in, in uh, the king's court, the king favored him. The king wanted to hear what Daniel had to say. And all the people there in, in Darius' kingdom, they were jealous of him. They were jealous because the king listened to Daniel. So they came up with a plan to trap him. They came up with this plan that, that they would draw up a decree that anyone that did not worship King Darius as God for 30 days would be thrown into the lion's den. Well, Daniel being Daniel, this is what he does. This is Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had always done. He wasn't going to let that decree stop him because he was noble-minded. Because he cared more about what God thought than what man thought. And he was more afraid of God than he was of any man. Sure enough, Daniel was busted. And even though King Darius loved Daniel, he still had to throw him in the lion's den. Most of us know the rest of the story that, that angels came and saved Daniel. But I want to read it to you because it's powerful. This is Daniel 6, 17 through 21. It says, A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of all the nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. He said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done anything, king, that was wrong before you. It goes on to say in verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language of the earth, 
because he was noble, because he was willing to sacrifice it all, this is what King Darius writes to the world. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. <laughs> that is noble living. That is living a life with cause, with justice, with nobility, trusting that God will protect you and your family and your friends and your church and your tribe. We gotta find our tribe. We have to find the right people that, that we are supposed to do life with. It's so important to our walk with God that we find groups of people that we can share with that have all these attributes because honestly we need all these attributes in our tribe to be able to be successful I need everyone every one of you guys to have these attributes so that we can be successful there's no way that we're going to win this there's no way that we're going to change the world if we continue to just let parts of this be I hope that you saw yourself in one of these I hope that you saw yourself one of these examples because I consider you guys to be my tribe. <laughs> you guys are my tribe. You are the people I do life with. You are the people that I love and adore and I want to do things with. I want to change the world with you. I want to change the atmosphere with you. All of these traits are needed in the church, in the ecclesia. If we're going to change the culture, if we are ever going to be able to finish what, what Christ began, we have to join forces. We have to use all the talents that God has given us. That's why we need to strive as a church for unity. That's why we need to strive so that all of us can find a way to get along. Because if we're going to change the world, <laughs> I need help. I need help. We can't do this alone. We can only change this with our tribe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we praise you. Above all things, we praise you. We give you the glory. And we just ask, Father God, that in all things, in all things, Lord God, we give you our trust. I pray, Father, for us to be noble-minded, for us to be merchants, Father God, for us to be fishers of men, and for us to be leaven, to be joy. Let us, Father God, change the atmosphere of our city, of our state, of our country. And Father God, right now, I pray for our leaders. I pray, Father God, for, for every leader in every city, state, in our president, Lord God, let them hear from you. Let their mind, Father God, not be corrupted. Let their minds, Father God, be towards goodwill, towards love for everyone. Father God, we ask for your presence in all that we do to guard over us and protect us and keep us safe.
In Jesus' name, amen.